Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. Today's episode is brought to you by Future Shot Hockey Development. And today, I am so excited to have on a 41-year-old from Port Elgin, Ontario. His hockey journey took him to Canada, the USA, Germany, and the Netherlands. He also had a 42-goal and a 59-goal season with the Owen Sound Grace. A former Northeastern Husky, an Oberliga champion, we think, and a three-time WOAA loop winner with the Sogging Shore Winterhawks and holds one of the greatest spears in hockey, I would say. Welcome to the podcast, Ryan Dudgeon. Thanks, Brent. I probably want to call you Brent on these things, eh? Are you calling me Brent today? You want me to act like Brent on here? I don't think I've ever called you Wally, to be honest with you. Well, then I haven't been acting like myself around you, I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, that is how we, first thing is how we know each other. And uh, I guess the first time I would have got to know who you were was when you were scoring 59 goals for the Owen Sound Grays when I was a young rookie, about 15, 16 with the Sugar Kings. Um, but then when I really actually met you, was uh, when I went to Northeastern on a recruiting trip and uh, you were a freshman there that kind of showed me the sights of Boston, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. You remember so, that uh, trip? I, I vaguely. Uh, we had a few guys who I, I felt a bit, um, you know, defensive with you young guys coming in. I knew you were going to take my spot, so I couldn't show you too good of a time. Especially when you see my body and physique, right? Exactly, exactly. A uh, little bit of intimidation there, no doubt. Yeah, Top physical true. performer. <laughs> well, I wish I, I wish I did remember that because um, a lot of the I know my trip was awesome when I went to my uh, my visit at Northeastern. Um, I stayed with Brian Sullivan, who's uh, whose brother Mike coached the Penguins there, and uh, we I met him that trip when I went my first time, and uh, we had a blast that weekend. And uh, he he made me want to go there. Plus the other guys that were there, uh, Trevor Reshney and Eric Orle, or uh, Eric wouldn't been there yet, but the other. Um, the other guys that showed me around, they're they're great, and uh, they sold me on it totally. And uh, we had a pretty good time with the uh, the few bucks the uh, the coaching staff would have gave us to go, you know, have dinner and all that good stuff. Yeah, we. I know when I went there, I never like got to go out with the team. You guys didn't do like anything fun. I think I think actually you you had to bag skate, and a couple guys were injured, Ooh. and like we, it was like I was with guys that like weren't even really that thrilled at point but like um i really enjoyed it i just thought boston was way too much for me from elmira ontario boston was way too much for me on that trip and i saw the trains and the people and Mm -hmm. i was like this is too much (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I, I was kind of um, intrigued by the by the Boston situation. Um, the gentleman in Port Elgin, uh, Bill Buckton, uh, kind of sold me on on Boston growing up because he went to Boston University in the seventies, and he was part of the uh, the whole thing where junior A players, OHL players, if they played so much, he went, he went for the Kitchen Rangers for a bit. Then he took a scholarship to Boston University, and they called him out on it, and he, he ended up taking it to court, and he's part of that. Um, uh, that trial that allowed players to, I think they developed that kind of that 48 hour rule, you know, where you can only go to the junior A camp for so long. Yeah. To I, I still don't know if that's real or not. Well, it doesn't really happen. Yeah. Now um, it's nobody okay. does it, but I think we should, we like, because you know what? There's a lot. So continue that story, but we still got to finish just where we know each other. I gotcha. Yeah. Keep going though. So that's, so that's the guy that kind of got you into going to Boston. And uh, yeah, so it he, wasn't yeah. too much for you going there, like from uh, Port Elgin. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, it was a big shocker, especially with uh, Northeast being right downtown at Boston, as opposed to Boston University and Boston College. are just on the outskirts. So we're right in the heart of it all with your trains, like you mentioned, and uh, the people and uh, just everywhere. It's a small city and everyone's crammed in on you. But uh, I wanted a different experience. Um, I never got to go play hockey anywhere, really. I stayed in in Port Elgin and then went to Owen Sound, which is only a half an hour away from me. So I never built it. I never did anything like that. I never stepped outside my comfort zone uh, when it came to, came to hockey. Um, so it was kind of a challenge for me. And uh, I know the first day I, I had my father uh, drove me down with a buddy of his and they dropped me off and we we're just kind of sitting there and I couldn't get a hold of anybody the first day I was there. I'm sitting in this, uh, in this, uh, my dorm room with some stranger that was there from the summertime. And uh, I had to kick him out of his room. He was sleeping. I just walked in and he's like, who are you? I'm like, who are you? And uh, so we, I had to kick him out. And then I'm just standing there and I got everything moved in. Nobody knows I'm there for the Northeastern hockey team. Can't get a hold of anybody. This is before like everybody had cell phones, right? Yeah. We're that old. We could talk like this now. And, uh, and so I'm standing there. I'm like, there's no point, uh, dad, for you to stand here and look at me. I'll just, I'll deal with it. And then he walked out of the room. And I just kind of sat there and I'm like, nobody knows I'm here. And I'm just, oh man, I kind of got overwhelmed. Eh? I'm like, I'm in a different country, different city. I have no idea what's going on. You don't know like when practices, you don't know when to show up for anything. No, like, yeah, no, I couldn't even get a hold of anybody. I, and so nobody knew I was there. I just, the only reason I got into my room is I knew where to, I found out where to go to get uh, into my dorm. And that was it. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And uh, so I walked outside all panicking, trying to find a payphone. And, uh, and I walked by a guy. I, Walked by a guy I met on my recruiting visit, uh, Leon Hayward, who coaches at uh, Colorado College now. And I look, he walked by him. I looked at him. And I go, kind of looks familiar. He kind of looked at me. Then we kind of walked past each other and then stopped. We looked back again. And he goes, you Ryan? I go, yeah. All right. You need some help? And then he ended up holding my hand that first day. Just well, I, Yeah, it sounds just like what I've envisioned kind of what Northeastern was like, man. It was a... It was crazy when I got there. You're downtown. There's people everywhere. Like, and like, you're literally, they're like, well, this is where one of the places to eat is. And there's like trains going both ways. And you got to wait at the crosswalk. And I was like, okay. But um, the other part that like, as soon as I got off the plane, I remember when I went to Northeastern, whoever the assistant coach was, I don't remember his name, but we got in that tunnel and he was zigging and zagging through traffic like crazy. And I'm used to like passing the horse and buggies and like taking the side roads. So I don't have to drive too fast. And yeah. then all of a sudden I got there and I was like, 
whoa, this is a fast pace of life. Yeah, no, the, uh, it would have been either uh, Jamie Rice or uh, Paul Kanata. And they're both, uh, I say this with respect, uh, they're both mass holes. So they know how to drive in the, in that city. <laughs> and uh, you got to be aggressive, right? Or you're dead. They were aggressive. It was like Rafi Torres at Brampton. I mentioned on the stand butler episode but okay we got to move on because you know what i had just said northeastern recruiting trip was just how we knew each other and we yep. we got sidetracked so another way we know each other is we also coached phase one together this season for the concurrent connects uh for about a month we did some flow drills um had to keep everybody six feet apart and all that good stuff but we're not going to yeah. talk about that uh but we, we our, did for sure our kids have become friends our wives have become friends and you're living yeah. in concurrent now um our kids are about the same age um but i think you got an extra one so that gets us into where and what are you doing now uh currently um yeah like you mentioned i got I two kids i got the one extra on you uh nash so kate blakely and nash I got my kids and uh so they're busy all three of them uh nine seven and uh and two so it's uh, it's busy times here plus we'd uh you know kids doing homeschool and all that we but we thought we'd uh throw in a new dog just to you know shake it up because those are great kid. yeah i had I, yeah, yeah but throw a pup in there. three years old yeah the puppies the first year what a mess yeah go yeah. ahead yeah so we, we thought we'd throw that in the mix because you know we weren't stressed at all with uh both uh Sandy, my wife and I at work and, uh, but, uh, working at a, um, a cannabis plant, um, just in town here called uh, Supreme Concordian. And, uh, not that I'm a partaker in it too much, but, uh, no, it's a, it's a different uh, atmosphere there. And, uh, plus got on the side here, I started a new business with, uh, called Future Shot Hockey, which is uh, an indoor hockey facility on uh, synthetic ice, um, where I can get these kids in there so I could work with them. And, uh, Coupled with that is a, is a hockey school to go along with that on real ice and um, had a few setbacks with the COVID. Um, we've had, I've had two scheduled over Christmas and one at March break and uh, they keep getting pushed. So I've done tons of bank transactions, giving people their money back and uh, people around here have been pretty good to me though, have uh, kept the credit with me uh, just so I can stay afloat uh, in this, uh, in these times. So uh, it's all the planning and the hours you'll put into that. Like it's, it's, it's like when we've been shouting out the restaurants, which um, I've been doing on these local pods, it's, there's so many industries and businesses that are just so euchred right now, mm -hmm. which is like my wife's uh, tanning business. Um, like you'd almost have to go to say like a cash business out of your basement. If you had like a salon in the basement that could do spray tans and then you could still say like, Wally 15 in the basement when you're naked in front of her for a heavy spray. Right. But yep. you'd have to do that because you're just not allowed to be open. Cause I, I don't know really what else you do, but we would never do that. Right. So, no. um, anyways, um, I think it's great. You're opening up your thing. You're staying in hockey. Um, I know you love hockey and I, I'm really excited to check out your place whenever the heck we're able to, because You've even been kind enough to say you'll even give our uh, our little bucks a little Zoom call this weekend too, right? Yeah, I'll try to figure so, something out there. We can get uh, a little stick handle shooting, um, whatever we can do uh, over Zoom, keep people yeah. active. Well, like I've had a couple other development people on. It's just very interesting how each week it's a completely different skills, completely different things each guy thought made them better and i think going to these places and being able to learn from different people has been tremendous i've actually been just sitting back watching and learning like 
what I could help teach by these other guys. Right. And it's, I I'm very happy you're into it. I hope COVID can actually let you open up and uh, see what you can make this place. Right. Cause you really haven't got a chance yet. And I feel that's just brutal, man. And I, I, I that's, I, I just hope you get open and get rolling here. Yeah. We took a chance there in the new year. We got a built um, January, February open that we'd come right into this, into the spring here, the late, late winter, and we could just keep rolling, right? We got about five weeks in where uh, we had some business. And you know what? It was a blast, those five weeks. Um, the kids that came in there were awesome. Uh, and a lot of repeat customers. I don't, I think I had only a few people that haven't returned. Uh, most people showed up again. And, and like I said, the kids were awesome. We had a lot of fun. And I learned a lot with just in those five weeks of what the kids want, um, how, to, how to go about uh, teaching them. Um, just a strategy. It'll be every evolving process of uh, how to go about teaching these kids. But I'm just hoping for a nice, nice, safe environment where we come in, just fire pucks, man. And, uh, I, I, and so far, the kids have had a blast, like I said. Yeah. And like they can wear like the real skates on it, right? Yeah. Real skates. Um, uh, yeah. It's fun. For the lighter kids, it's really good. Um, had some older teenagers in there. It's not quite as easy to skate uh, for the older kids. I think it, but you can skate, but you're trying to shoot on one edge. It's kind of tough. Uh, but I've had some older uh, AAA guys come in, take some shots, work with me on their shot, and we've seen some real progress um, just oh, in a period great. of time. I, I think it's awesome, man. I'm happy. You, I, I know we've talked before, and you were trying to figure out, like, how to be a part of the game, and I did the same thing, man. I was I couldn't figure out where I still fit in the game, and I know you were the same way. We had had a chat there one time. I believe it's at uh, – what's the lake there? Uh Fisherman's like, Cove, was it? Fisherman's Cove. We, yeah, it's like, you know, you just, when you're, when you've been a hockey guy, you want it to be part of your life. You want, yeah. you, you still want to be a part of it. It's yeah. So well, like you, like you mentioned in the, uh, in the monologue there, uh, the WOA championships, like. Oh, I, sorry. I did leave out a part of the intro that I had had written down that I think I scratched it out was what's that? <laughs> played <laughs> parts of. <laughs> 12 seasons of the WOAA loop. <laughs> yeah, I just, that's, that's where I was going with that is that I just, I knew hang, that's where you were going. I didn't know how to hang them up. I should have done it earlier, um, especially if I took up at least two years off. Um, it's hard no, to come command. No You're used to doing things you can't do them anymore. No kidding. And, uh, but I still couldn't let it go. I still couldn't let it go. Oh, I just want to be a part of the team. And like you said, uh, you don't know what to do next. And um, I think our kids have shown us what our next steps are. Yeah, well, no, and that's the thing is, and you can do this with your son and he can be there learning and you yeah. can be in the game full go. And I am now just in a different way, but then I can also help coach and, and be a coach of minor hockey. And I'm still part of the game too. And I can, uh, you know, like I, I got all these buddies doing the training too, that like, it's awesome. I, 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 there's so many people giving back to the game and thank you for jumping in around here. So now we're gonna move on to we're done where are you now so we're gonna get into your minor hockey journey growing up in port elgin did you ever go triple a or like what's the journey there no like kind of i mentioned earlier i, I never left port elgin i had i had guys that wouldn't played summer hockey um uh in durham uh, i can't remember the summer hockey team it's called but i never did i love baseball so i never did that in the summer um no, I just played Port Elgin minor hockey the whole time. I, I, I thought it was the, I thought it was the biggest thing I could do um, representing my town before uh, 
now it's at the soggy shores. It's amalgamated with, so they have been in the area, but uh, I was very proud of my town and, and uh, just, I know my, my father and his uncles and, and my, my family has been part of that community for a long time. And uh, it represented Port Elgin in different levels of hockey, intermediate, senior um, over the years. So I felt very proud to put on Port Elgin jerseys. And especially when the uh, WOA team came back, um, I couldn't wait to do it. But uh, getting back to minor hockey, um, we had a good core group of guys that were my age that went through the whole ranks together. Uh, guys like uh, Tyler Smith, who became captain in, in Old Sound. I would have been the toughest guy in the in the in the junior B league. It's a good um, thing we got that alarm shut off in the background. Hey, eh? geez, yeah, that's, that's, whew, yeah, it's neighborhood. Looks nice out, out back there, though. Not too bad. I'm looking over Lake Huron, so I can't <laughs> complain. No, you can't. And uh, no, so we had a good Al Roach, who's always on the team, and uh, and guys that were a year younger than us that played on my second year of say second year in Pee Wee or second year Bantam were guys like Daryl McKinnon, um, who went on to play at Colgate, and. Uh, yeah, so lo and behold, we had some good hockey players. We just didn't know it. We just loved playing hockey and then playing road hockey and playing against each other and fighting each other and then being teammates on the ice. Um, that's what we, we just love doing. Yeah, it's the same as like my group of buddies growing up in Elmira. But now that I'm living in Concordia and this is uh, Locals Week and you're from Port Elgin, do you yeah. know who today's other sponsor is? And I had, I did let them know today. They, they didn't know that they were being a pro bono sponsor, but they are because my favorite restaurant in Port Elgin is Allen's Fireside Grill, home of the Fireside Sticks. You guys need to try these things. They get me so hot and bothered. I just whew, get a little carried away with the appetizer, but they are filled with their famous cheesy spinach dip baked in jalapeno pizza bread. And folks, if that doesn't get you hot and bothered, I don't know what will. But they are a family casual dining with kids menu, wine menu, and a, a dandy patio that I actually once was wined and dined to become a Saugeen Shore winter hawk at one point. But welcome to the podcast sponsor family, even if you didn't know about it till today. Um but that's a nice restaurant and moving on. So you were a bit of a late bloomer, but was there a bit of a rivalry with King Carden growing up? Like that's what I hear about. Yeah, it was, um, it was huge. Um, that's yeah. Those are the games we got up for at every, every level, whether it was hockey, baseball, we had a, I know my, guys, my age, we had a good bunch of guys uh, in each town that were really good um, sportsmen, um, good hockey, good athletes all around. Right. And uh, whenever we played, it was a battle. And uh, it's kind of like um, maybe like the Shelbyville Springfield thing or the Simpsons, right? Same, same idea, that same rivalry, uh, Boston, Montreal, if you want to get into NHL stuff, or I guess more like Quebec and Montreal or something like that. But to know we were, we, we, we were fiercely competitive uh, for some reason, all the King Cardin boys always were huge. Um, I, I know them now and, uh, they're the same size they were back in Pee Wee, so I was 120 pounds, if that. And these guys are grown ass men. And uh, but the good thing about the, our little rivalry is that it never became so bad that we never became friends because a, a lot of guys came from Port Elgin, Southampton, and played on the Carm Bulldogs, the Junior C team here. And uh, I'd come watch them. We became friends. We, we became friends with all the guys from Kincardine. And then when I moved here from Port Elgin uh, about 10 years ago with my wife Sammy, those guys brought me in and uh, felt, made me feel like I was, grew up in Kincardine. That's how, that's how uh, 
uh, close we were and respected uh, each town's players so much, uh, even though we did, we, we did battle a lot on the, on the ice and on the baseball field. Oh yeah. But that's healthy competition, right? Yeah. That's what makes people better is like myself growing up with four or five guys that kind of like at least got OHL and CAA. Like when you grow up with guys like that, like you push each other and you don't realize you're doing it. You don't realize like, it's like when you see the kids in minor hockey now that like which kids actually get pissed off that they lose and which kids don't like the kids that don't, we'll see, we'll see where you're at four years, kids. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have that fire if you want to keep improving. Right. And uh, sometimes it's some, some kids can hold in there, but uh, I was not, I was not that kid. That is. I, for sure. I saw you play senior A at about 40 years old and you were, you still had the juices flowed big guy. Yeah, well, when you're the smallest guy in the ice, you gotta, you know, have a big stick, right? Well, you know what? There's some small guys that play differently than you, Ryan. <laughs> but you did score a lot, so why don't we get into that part of it? Is uh, like, when did you start really scoring goals? Uh, because I saw you—you you were late to the junior B party. You didn't start till what age? Uh, seventeen. Oh, that's not uh, that bad. No, it would have been my second year. Second year of midget. So for the guys that were really good, like they usually got in there before, but I know my time, you had to be really, really good. And I was never blessed with speed, um, size. Um, I didn't have a wicked shot or anything. Uh, what I did was I thought the game, that was the only thing I could do well. I, I tried to outsmart everybody with, with subtle stuff, not wasn't deacon anybody out or anything, but I just had to play smarter than everybody else to do well. And I think that's hard for scouts, especially junior scouts who aren't, even pro scouts really aren't that experienced, right? You have to watch guy for a long time to understand that. Oh, I, yeah, no. And that's the thing is if you just, I talked about it on another episode, I think it was with the devil's owner, but like it's uh, when you're a smart player for a scout to notice you when they show up to a hockey game, they don't just, they, they're not just going to notice you. It's not like you're the guy that skates really fast, blows by everybody yep. and cuts to the net. Like when you're just smart, like it's the end of the game. You don't even know the guy was out there. And then it would be like in junior B, like I didn't really know who you were. I saw the stats and I'm like, we'd play in. I'd be like, which guy was it? And then you'd have five points at the end of the night. Yeah, no, I think that was, I think that's something I wanted. I think that's a hallmark of a good player. You just, like you said, you, you look at the stat sheet and you go, that guy killed us after the game. I didn't even notice him. And uh, just like, you know, death by a thousand cuts kind of an, um, of an angle. And I think that's how I tell I had to play. I, um, I know I've had guys on my teams over the, at different levels that were amazing hockey players when you'd watch them in practice. Like oh, yeah. unbelievable, like five tools, right? Whole everything. And you're like, oh my God, this guy is just unbelievable. But then you put that same guy in a game situation and he's useless. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I did. I found uh, back to the goal scoring, like, I don't know what it was. I think I was a good hockey player all through minor hockey. I was always one of the better players. Um, I just finally, finally found my where to shoot. Um, I scored a million goals, blocker low, and five hole and top corner uh, glove, and or especially blocker low. I I don't know. It just I just all came to me at one point. I just I had all the confidence in the world what to do. And which you age know? is this at when this starts? Um, it probably was. You know what really got me all fired up was we went to. Uh, I'm a throw St. Mary's Lincoln's junior B team out of the bus here, but uh, we went down there for a summer, a summer skate, a rookie camp. And it was me and, um, 
and uh, Kirk Pat and Ty Smith and uh, a buddy of ours from Florida had played there the previous year. And we went there and we were in 16 and we just dominated the rookie camp. Like just dominate. It wasn't even fun. Like we were just do whatever we want. And, uh, and Kirk was a good player. He had played junior B at 16, maybe 15. He was, he was that good at a young age. And uh, we went down there, dominated. And we're like, okay, they're obviously going to invite us back to the training camp. Like it wasn't, there was nobody near us. And uh, they didn't even talk to us after the thing. I remember uh, somehow we got a case of coconut at that age and we drove back to uh, Port Elgin in, uh, in Kirk's van. So that's from like, what, what are these guys looking for? Like they're the last place team in the league in that loop. Like, what are these guys looking for? And then that year, I believe we went to Owen Sound Gray's camp and um, you had a chip on your shoulder. A chip on my shoulder. And I just, I don't know. I just figured out how to, how to score, I guess. Uh, it's all getting comfortable too. And I'm pretty yeah. sure you probably would have had like, so 59 goals. eh? when I saw that today, that kind of hurt my heart because I had 57. I got 61 just for the record, but who's well, elite prospects is counting and sir, you yeah. had 59. Good. Luck. Know. 60 sounds good, a little better though. Good luck trying to get that last one to 60. <laughs> oh, my birthday, my birthday is wrong there too. So, uh, <laughs> Oh yeah, are you only 32? You ready for a comeback or what? <laughs> no, I just uh, I was born in Port, not only South. I was born on the second on the 21st. Come on. Jeez. So, um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was good. I uh, I love scoring goals, especially at that age. <laughs> oh yeah, isn't it fun in junior when yeah I did it with Elmire, you would be doing it with Owen Sound, like yeah, like when you're that age and you like you love hockey so much and then you do start excelling like. It is pretty special experience, isn't it? It is. It's uh, it's fun to get uh, see yourself on the in the newspaper. It's fun to see, even though you could be as modest as you want, you still like it. Um, and we, when you it, grew up seeing other people's names, and you're like, "Geez, wouldn't that be cool?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. You wake up, you hear your name on the radio before school, and he's Brian Dudgeon with a hat trick last night against the Elmira Sugar Kings. Doubt it. <laughs> Brent Walton minus three. Yeah, I, was, I like to, I love hearing that on the uh, on the radios. After I would have never got on the ice with you. <laughs> I wouldn't have got a shift against you. I was like 16, man. Yeah. No, so um, no, goal scoring was fun, and uh, I wish I could keep doing it as I got older. But uh, the funny stats about me uh, in junior or even into WOA stuff was. Uh, I lead the team in, in scoring, but also lead the team in penalty minutes. So I don't, I <laughs> well, actually, that, that comes into uh, one of my notes on the opening was you do have it. You have one of hockey's greatest spirits. Like I, I've seen it just a couple of times where you can really get things rocking in a game. Um, and, but you just have so much passion for the game and you, you, sometimes it gets the better of you and you just need to bury it in someone's nuts. Eh? <laughs> Yeah, well, I took enough hits in my day. I, I think I owe a few people something. Um, you know what, though? For, to my credit, I would back it up with drop the gloves. I wouldn't, wasn't that guy that would never fight. Um, a lot of those penalties were five-minute majors. And so there, there, was, there was some backing it up there. I, I just didn't do it and run. Yeah, I had some guys on my team that would cover for me when the, when the real big boys had to show it up. But uh, I, uh, I took a few, uh, few knuckles to the face because of my, uh, you know, exploits. Uh, it's that's you know what that stuff happens I got punched in the top of the head a lot I would try and just skate towards them keep my head in their armpits so they couldn't hit my face you know I just let them hit the top of my head but I got beat up a bunch too but um okay so other were there any other schools interest so I think now we're getting near the end of junior b you guys didn't win it in junior b right 
No, we got we did well. We lost to Cambridge in the final, the one our last year that we were there. That was an awesome series. Uh, a couple guys from Cambridge went on to play NCAA hockey. Uh, Mike Carter. Most of them in the semis, yeah. Yeah, they're really good, really fast, and and uh, we just could, we just didn't have the depth like they did. They did an unbelievable. Um, Paul Davies that went to Western. Paul Michigan Davies, yeah, that's right. That team, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we just didn't have the depth. And Jaron Harriman was on that team. He he, uh, he went to Northeastern the year after I got there. He would have been on that team as well. So they had a really good team just just on those guys alone. Plus their their depth was uh, their depth was unbelievable. And for the most part, we just had a couple lines and uh, yeah. and a, a deep pairing that we just couldn't match up with them. But we we held in there as long as we could. That's for sure. Okay. Next question is, I want to know um, if there are any other schools interested or why Northeastern? Like, because you were, I think, when you scored 59, right? Like, your last year at Junior B, right? Like, yeah. like that was it. So, you, if you didn't get a scholarship that year, that's it. And there's not many guys that wait that long, right? To, like, mm-hmm. I, I, I guess in other places, like the guys where I was playing in Elmira, they would start going to universities, right? Like in Waterloo, Laurier. Yeah. But like for you to stick it out and actually get a scholarship, man, congratulations. That's well done. And uh, 59 goals as a 20 year old. So what other schools are interested? Uh, Sorry, 61 goals, right? 61. Yeah, asterisk, right? At 61. And you're 32. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You're, you're, getting, you're getting it all right now. Sorry, um, sorry. The other schools, you know what? I can't really recall. I, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think I have the, the books, the programs that they sent me overall now, but I remember Bowling Green contacted me. I think Western Michigan was a was a front runner uh, at one point and uh, but I really had my, my my heart set on going to a Boston school and to get on Boston University or Boston College was really really difficult because they just they bring they bring in the oh, elites, yeah. like the elites yeah you're not yeah. Uh, so I'm not I I knew that was going to be very very hard and uh and Northeastern at the time was not a was not one of the top teams in hockey East like they are now uh they're a perennial favorite right now in hockey east and they've been they've been ranked we were ranked we were there we beat off um <laughs> uh number one seeds and uh but no we just didn't have the, the horsepower like those schools did but uh, no when it came back to recruiting yeah western michigan was there i know i remember alabama huntsville they're just getting started um and i remember kind of the neat ones uh, wayne the wayne state out of detroit yeah some of like that i remember them talking to me um okay hey all right because if you're, yeah, the rest of them would have to be serious. I only remember the two that got serious, really, like really serious, yeah. which was Northeastern and Western Michigan. But then yeah. that was before my big year. That was like a year and a half before I went. And uh, But I want to yeah. know now, did, because you did go to a Boston school and you went to yeah. one of the four schools that would have played in the bean pot. Did That's you right. play in that sucker? How was that? That, that was uh, an awesome experience. Um, that was their big selling point when I went there. They took yep. me just, they took, I didn't get it. Cause they took me to, they, I, this is, sorry, I'm not to get off track, okay. here, but when I went there on a recruiting trip, they took me to Fenway to show me the, the stadium. And I'm like, wow, this is really cool. And they're like, well, you could come here all the time. But then they took me to the Bruins rink and they're like, well, you'd play a game here or two games here a year. And I was like, yep well, that's cool, but whatever. Like, it's just two games. But I guess the bean pot is, like, a big, big, big deal, eh? It is a big deal. It's a, it's an annual event um, held first two weeks of February, I guess. So it's Harvard, Boston University, Boston College, and Northeastern, where I went. And what they do is they play a game on a Monday night, two games on first Monday night of February, 
and the winners of those two games play in the finals of the bean pot and it's for bragging rights for uh for the boston area schools that goes back um when i was there they played the 50th anniversary when i was there and we were in the finals that year against uh boston university and it, you know what it, it's a blast because people get tickets to come in they come home for the week um just to get into the into the uh into the, into the stadium Twenty thousand people bands they got four bands playing of all the schools and the crowds are, are fun and they're loud you know it's on nesson it's 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 um it, it was our it was our national championship because we knew we weren't going to win a national championship it's so hard even if we had an unbelievable team but you could but, win the bean pot yeah but if we won the bean pot especially northeastern we hadn't won it since 1982 when i was there and or 1985 sorry and uh, now they've won a couple of the last few years but like if we had won the bean pot we would have been heroes but it would have been just an equivalent of winning a national championship and now well, so, to beat Boston uh, University of Boston College back then, like if you'd have to beat those two teams back to back, that basically mm -hmm. is like what it, yeah, that's it a would, tough yeah. road. Yeah, it's like guys like Brian Gianna who've been on Boston College at the time, um, like Howard and goalie on uh, no who I can't think of the guys on uh, BU so much, but like if you go back and look at their rosters, you like NHL, 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 you know what I mean? It's just oh, one yeah. after another where we just had a couple of NHLers uh, sprinkled in there. Um, but no, it was, it was a blast. And uh, my little claim to fame on this one is they, they set up a 50th anniversary DVD special of the history of the bean pot. I can still remember. So let's picture me with a mullet. Uh, I got a mullet. Um, I'm, in, I'm in the, in the boroughs. Rocking of the a mullet in college? Oh, I had an awesome mullet, buddy. I, I, I had, a, I had a website talking about my mullet. I had signs when I go to away games making then, fun of me. Really? Yeah, it was awesome. Like, and, did uh, you have like the shaved three lines on the side, or were you straight? Shaved no, I just right had, I just this? had, I just had huge flow, like really? long hair, and, yeah, yeah, huge curly flow. Jeez. It was awesome. And uh, yeah, so I'm sitting there, and the DVD came out. I still remember sitting down there. I'm taping off my stick, my new stick for the game, and I'm uh, I got a tooth. I got a, my my hockey hair. I got a toothpick in my mouth, taping the knob of my stick like this. Like some of the cameras being there, I'm like, there's no way that's going to be on their little, you know, their little show. And lo and behold, the DVD comes out. There's me, big little Canadian kid with a big old hairdo and a toothpick in his mouth, taping the knob of his stick. I'm like, geez, that's me. There you go. On the 50th anniversary. Yeah. So, hey, I scored in that. I scored against Harvard in the semifinals. So that's a really bad goal, but it all counts, right? They all count. doesn't matter how they go. <laughs> so I'm in the book. Even if they're 59 <laughs> or 61, right? That's right. They weren't all pretty. They weren't all pretty. <laughs> no, not the 60th. Okay. Um, but Northeastern does. What I remember from that uh, recruiting trip was their arena was incredible. Like what a sick barn, as the kids would say, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. it's the oldest operating arena in North America. Was it not the old Bruins, like before the gardens? Before the, like before the Bruins, even. It was, yeah, definitely before the gardens. That's the original Boston Braves would have played there, I think. Uh, no, maybe that was back. Anyway, it, it's, it's that old. It's before Boston Gardens got built. That's where the Bruins played. Uh, old fighters like Jack Dempsey would have fought in there. Like that was the, in the oh, North, was I was awesome. like, that was the big arena, right? For all sporting events. Uh, there would have been conventions there, political conventions there. Oh, that, that was like, yeah, that was, that was the big, um, big spot. And uh, it turned into Matthews arena Northeastern took it over retrofitted it. They've done an even better job now since I've been gone, put in a big jumbotrons and stuff like that, but no, it's, it's cool. It's that old style 
you know, um, where that, the top bowl hangs right over the ice, like you see in those old, old buildings, and uh, the big, high, big, high A-frame ceiling uh, with the wood. And it, it was an incredible place, especially when it was, you know, arrivals in town um, coming to play because it was packed. Like I said, I mean, the cool thing about college hockey, like, you know, like the, there's bands playing, student sections, and it, just, it would just get rocking in there. It'd be nice and loud and uh, a whole lot of fun. Um, I would have to say after listening to that story and how they've made that rink even better and how old it is, as I really think that I personally wish there would be no more new rinks built in hockey. I wish they would fix the ones they have in every league to make them better because yep. the rinks with character, the rinks with that aren't just cookie cutter. Look at what we just built with all yep. the fancy shit. It's like, I guess it's like me having a podcast in my shed just on zoom on my computer is like, it's like, I don't know. I want that the rinks with character. I don't want you to build more new rinks where they're half full most of the time in some of these places. It's dead. You don't feel like playing hockey. Instead, I'd rather be in the place with character that's packed. People love it. And mm-hmm. every player loves playing in it, right? Yeah, and I, I think uh, I got to play in the old rinks in the Hockey East uh, Conference, uh, Boston University in Maine, before they got their new rinks. And uh, they're small. Um, I played in Maine. That was one of was my awesome. favorite experiences ever. Yeah, oh. they're, they're, it was fun. It was a super small rink. And if you remember, do you remember the glass you got hit? I got hit a lot. And uh, <laughs> you get hit in the glass, and the glass would pretty much bend on a 45-degree angle. And it was really low, it was high glass. It was low, like it was on your, like your hip when you got hit. And the glass would go right into the crowd and swing you right back out. See, I remember in warm-ups, there was the band playing like right above mm-hmm. the goalie, right? So like mm-hmm. if you rang it off the crossbar, you could perhaps hit one of their band members. <laughs> Take right? out the trombone player. Perhaps, you know, like not, but like not that I would do that, but like I just remember that there'd be pucks flying at them and they're trying to play their tubas or whatever. It was wild <laughs> in that rink. Oh, it was fun. I know when you, when you talk about cookie cutters, like one thing I think I wish the NHL would do, which makes, you know, college hockey kind of cool is that every rink you go to is unique because in college hockey, you can play on, you go to one rink where it's an Olympic size ice surface. One, you can go with that hybrid European, Finland, Sweden size, or you can come to an even smaller rink, um, an NHL rink or even smaller. I, I wish the NHL would just let teams um, pick their own rink size and they can bake they can make their team how they want to based on the rank they play at half the year. I think that'd be cool. It makes things way more exciting. That's what every league I played in was like. That was second league Germany. That was, yeah. um, that was the UK league. Well, dude, that, like, somebody out, one would be outside. One would be inside. Oh, and you, yeah, you, yeah. There'd be some fresh air rinks. Yeah, yeah. no, it was wild. And like, it was, that's was fun. Like you could show up and your water bottles freeze and you can't drink yeah. water for the whole game. And you're like, this is pretty interesting. Like this is something we have to adapt to. And yeah, see, I drank the, Lu- the Louvine in those games. Well, the, the fans would have to, cause they'd be topless <laughs> with fan with the uh, flags and drums and they'd have to drink the Louvine to stay warm. Right. Cause they'd be topless. Yeah. So where are we here? So we got sidetracked. I think we were at the bean pot, the cool rink. And then we got sidetracked. So I saw you were only there for three years 
and, yep. um, which usually is four years. And then I saw basically no hockey from 03 to 05. So what all transpired there? I'm going to go pee while you tell me that one. Oh, thanks for the visual I talk. Um, no, so after my for my fourth year, it was um, I came to an agreement with our coaching staff uh, that uh, I was going to sit out my final year and um, and focus on school. And uh, I accepted that, and we, we went on and parted ways. I stuck around Northeastern, stayed with my buddies there, and um, finished school, which was a blast. Um, it was actually a, kind of a neat experience to go to a national you know, American university and just focus on being a student. And it was kind of, it was kind of unique. That, uh, it was different because I didn't have to focus on going to, going to practice, going to, uh, and, and balancing practice in school where I could focus on writing, writing a thesis um, without having to worry about school. So I don't know how much you heard of that, Brent. Hear any of that? Me? No, I was peeing. Yeah. So trying to follow up. And so what I was saying was uh, after my third year there, we kind of came to agree with my coaching staff that uh, we were just, I was going to just kind of, we we're going to part ways. And uh, I, I kept my scholarship and I just finished out my schooling for my final year. Our, our, unfortunately, our, our team wasn't very, wasn't very good. Did you ever think um, of transferring? Did that, did you bring that up? I did. I, I thought about it. I, um, I contacted one school um, there somewhat interested but you know what i wanted to finish off my schooling i, I, I love northeastern's a good school too right yeah it's it's a it's a top 50 private school in the u.s uh for universities yeah i remember but, they were hot on me there geez and so I, I didn't want to leave i i, I met lifelong friends there and it's still are and so i didn't want to leave and i still stayed with them i still went and watched the games and uh, I, like I said, I focused on my school my last year, and it was it was really a neat experience just to be a be a student as opposed to a student athlete. I got to I met some new friends uh, that I never would have met before, and uh, you know, gained some new experiences. Just kind of separating myself from the hockey scene a little bit. You know, you know what? When you're a hockey player for four years at college, university, or what USA universities, like mm -hmm. when you get to see like at Western Michigan. Um, or Western Michigan, like when you, got to, yeah. when you got to see what all the other students were doing and everybody was having fun and everybody was yeah. like, there would be um, a school football game. We couldn't go. There would be a huge, whatever game yeah. you couldn't go. And that you were always busy and everybody was always doing things. And really you only are in your little pack and your little yeah. tribe and you don't really know what the other students are doing. And it uh, is very different than most college students live. And by the fourth year, you're kind of like, what would I was, bur I was like? burned out. I was burned out. I, I, I was frustrated with hockey. Um, it became a job. I, I know you hear this all the time. Yeah. They gave me schooling, but like it became a job and it was, I wasn't having fun yeah. um, going to the rank. I, I, I it was, it's looking back on it now, I'm sad that I wasn't having fun. I didn't, didn't stick it out, but I gained some good stuff, good experiences from it. Uh, well, and you got to be happy in life, I think. And like, like I've seen, I, I've been through it, like with knee injuries or sometimes and like things yeah. that happen and you just really aren't happy. And like, if you're not playing and you know, you have zero chance with the coaching staff and you don't feel like part of it, 
Mm. Why would you like if you have zero chance, like, and you know that, and they're showing you that, like back when coaches used to be that way, they yeah. would let you know straight to your face, <laughs> you're I'm done with you, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's it, the way it was. It was That's, maybe it's a good lesson. Maybe it was a good lesson for me to learn um as well. Um, so yeah, those that two that gap that you mentioned that two years, that was my last year of schooling, and then I I came back and and um I was, I was frustrated with hockey and I needed those two years to kind of step away. And then two years later, um, my line mates from, from the one sound grays, Adam Mitchell and Daryl McKinn, who were playing on Colgate, they finished up their schooling, uh, the year after I was done and, uh, they're going to go play pro in, uh, in Europe. So I'm like, you know what? I wanted the same thing. So we got, we got that rolling and, uh, and I got back in the gym I got hockey out on my mind again, and I was loving it. Um, it's first, awesome. first time I ever enjoyed weightlifting, um, and I had a goal to get back and play. And I wanted to go play in Europe with those guys, and uh, and I'm sure we'll get into it here. But that that's what sent me to North or not sorry the Netherlands, and those and uh, those two guys went on to play in Germany. Which yeah, so we are getting into that right now. That's where we're at. So how do you get to if you haven't played. How did you get to the? Because I like pronouncing names on this. Okay, how yeah, did you get it. to the Gids Groningen of the Netherlands? I believe it's Groningen. Gron- <laughs> now I can't say it's it. Groningen. 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 The Dutch have a weird way of talking. I need more throat. I think I need more oh, throat. Well, that looks like a German name. I thought it just rolled right well, off it's my really, tongue. Well, it's pretty close, but like an hour away from the border. So well, fair enough. So the G- the Gidges. The Gidges Groningen. Groningen Grizzlies, I believe they were called. Oh, the Grizzlies. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So how do you get there? Um, a little foggy how I got there, but uh, I think that – so Jim McCubrey would That's where you start the season? I start – yeah, I'm in uh, Northern Holland. Which and that's is, how you get back to hockey. So how do you get yeah. back into hockey? How do you get there? So what I what happened was I, I played uh, a half season – in the WA league with Lucknow. The first team was the Lucknow Lancers, uh, which is a, a farm town in the Shout area. Shout out to Bobby Raymond, episode 33. Oh, go there ahead. you go. There you go. A lot of beauties. Uh, Russell Sutton, the uh, team captain from Lucknow, uh, just texted me today, actually. Anyway, so I played a half season there, had a blast, had a blast. There's a lot of good hockey players um, that showed up there and played in this old farm town. And their fans were amazing. They had Mennonites there watching the games. Uh, they travel on the road in a cart and buggy and a horse. Were you guys good? And we were good. Yeah, we were a good team. And, and, and the, the, the Mennonites would like actually travel. Like how far would they travel? Because they'd they, start they'd take so a we'd, while. Oh, yeah. Like we go up to like, like Durham, which is like, if you don't know, it'd be like another like an hour and a half or Shelburne, like two hours. They'd start in the morning on their horse and buggy. No. And, yeah. How many of them? I don't know. There's a couple. Like hard, a handful? Hard, yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple of young kids. Huh. But they're hardcore. It was awesome. And we just have a blast after the games. And that got me back into it. And the Shuriken's then, uh, had some good fans like that too, but I don't think yeah. they traveled. Well, you had the Mennonites in the round there, those parts. Oh yeah. No, they would always be at the home games, but I don't remember them being traveling. I, I don't know. Well, maybe we just got the right ones there. Um, I'd have to ask my Lucknow boys who they would have been if I, I I believe those stories are pretty true. I, I'm pretty sure I recall this. And uh, that's all. And just for a, for a silly WA uh, game, but we took it really seriously and we took uh, partying after really seriously after. So 
it was a lot of fun on the ice. We played hard. That was when uh, guys, you could fight in WA league and just get five minutes, sit in the penalty box. So that was kind of cool. I never had never experienced that until then. And uh, Ryan, uh, you're like 150 pounds, man. Yeah. Well, I could hold my own. I didn't win many fights, but I didn't lose many either. Right. <laughs> you're an and, uh, no, so playing there it got me going again. And then, uh, like I said, with those other two guys from Colgate, Daryl and Adam came back to town. Um, they got me thinking about playing again, seriously. And uh, so Jim McCurry, who's our my own GM in Owen Sound, my last year, um, had a contact over in Germany with a guy named Rob Service, who who runs a an academy now, hockey academy school, a private school um, for hockey out of Windsor. And he hooked me up with a place in Groningen um for the net that following year and i remember flying over there um flew us over first class like this is just this is just a nothing league really um and flew me over first class uh, i remember sit, sitting there uh, with the guy that was coming over from timmins with me and uh i'm sipping uh ryan waters because it, it was a red eye flight and uh yeah i went there had a blast um meeting the dutch guys they were sweet like they're so nice. They're so welcoming to have us come and play with them. Um, How many imports are on a team in that league? Uh, I think you're allowed five, but uh, this team put all their money into their imports. And and uh, I think we started with maybe maybe three. And uh, no, they ended up being really good guys. All the guys in, in the Netherlands were awesome. They all spoke English like better than I did. And uh, we had a blast. And uh, so I spent a few months there. Uh, up can until I ask a question just sure, because sure um, throughout the podcast, I think yep. people have realized I like food and I like cooking food and I like knowing about it. So uh, <clears throat> what kind of foods in the Netherlands? What like No idea. You, know, you really? No idea. I, it's funny. I, I, people have asked me that before and I brought it up before. If somebody were to say what a Nether Dutch dish is, no idea. I have no clue what their food is. The only thing I remember about food being odd there was that um, if you went to their uh, their local, it wasn't called McDonald's, but it was equivalent of McDonald's in the Netherlands. You got mayonnaise instead of ketchup for your French fries. Mm. You had to pay for ketchup. That's all. That's all I think I remember. And, and there's no, there's no, there's no Dutch food. Oh, I was there over there long enough to know that like they love the mayo. Mm. And the ketchup on fries. They they don't they're not just stuck to ketchup over there, folks. Around Canada, the the and the UK, these folks in Germany, Netherlands, they are dip, dipping fries in mayonnaise, <laughs> folks, and they're all skinny. I don't get it. Go oh, ahead. Maybe it's because of they're all the bikes are in bike stands. Oh, uh, that, that no, that is true though. Like I remember going down to their train station in Groningen. Um for the first time, like right down their town square, and the train station is right there. And I walk in, and they got, they saw a bike, a bike rack here and there. It's there. There's so much, so many bikes. They have to pile them on top of each other in a stack. There's like thousands of bikes in this small area. And well, there's got to be like bike etiquette, right? Because there's got to be like a certain way to lock up your bike and set it there so everybody knows that's your bike but they're yeah. everybody else's bikes and you can get your bike out when it's time oh. like there is bikes everywhere yeah like they're just not on the ground except they're, they're stacked on each other and the funniest thing that i remember most is, is just walking around downtown and watching people on their bikes there's you know couples riding down the road 
holding hands, each on a bike. You know, you got a, a mother with two kids and groceries on all on one bike. Three. So two and the, yeah, there are different versions of bikes. One, and it's just, it's like, how you, I don't know how they do this. Wow. Like, yeah, no, like they'll, they'll be the three seaters, the two seaters, like mm-hmm. they're, they're biking everywhere. It don't matter where they're going folks. So, um, I did see you put, so you got an opportunity, you went there, you yep. showed you could still play. I saw that on the stats you showed you could play. And then, um, I saw you went to, um, so you're not done that season. You're back in yep. hockey. You're not done. And, uh, halfway through the year in the Netherlands, we'll move on since you don't know about the food is you go to the EV Landsberg sports 5000s. Yes, sir. Yeah. So what happened there was, um, Adam Mitchell, who I mentioned earlier was on our, my junior views on my, my can I, can I mention how I know Adam Mitchell? You sure can. Um, I played against him for the Owen sound grays. I played against him at Colgate I played yep. against him in Landsberg mm-hmm. and then their team went bankrupt and I'm playing in Landsuit and their team goes bankrupt and their imports all get jobs in the first league. And we're all sitting in the second league having great years, but their team goes bankrupt. So their contracts are over first league signs. These fellas, they all go up and show they can actually play. And they all could. I know Adam Mitchell. Yep. could. I know Daryl McKinnon could. I know Steve Silverthorne could, the goalie there that played in Schwinnigan all the time. That would bother me. Um, like, like all those Owen Sound boys could play. And um, yeah, it like you guys did have a good group around there, players. And uh, I know them well. I played against them everywhere. I played against Silverthorne everywhere. I played against mitchell and mckinnon like literally everywhere we went it was a full grind but when i see them at the bruce now we say hi we chat about all the battles we had and it's like you said it's like we don't we did we were just competing yeah and that's what's neat about it um i had uh those two guys you mentioned steve like he, he talked about late bloomers um Steve Silverthorne, a goalie, like he wasn't our starting goalie my last year in junior B in the Owen Sound Grays. He was, like he was just, he was good, but he wasn't, he went on to play in the AHL, be a good AHLer. And oh, the second he, league German, if you're a second league German goalie, if you're an yeah. import goalie in Europe, you're yeah. good. You're, yeah. you're high end if you're an import goalie in Europe. There is only so, there are so yeah. many goalies. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, the whole Owen Sound great team from the late 90s was just a bunch of late bloomers. And um, with Steve and Daryl McKinnon and, and and Adam Mitchell, like we just all of a sudden kind of kind of clicked there late. And um, and Bobby Raymond followed suit thereafter. I don't think he was much of a late bloomer. He was always kind of good, but. Uh, um, uh, no, he no he didn't get, well, he played Lucknow minor hockey the whole way. But what I wanted to get into is did, like you're in Landsberg. I've played in that arena small little rink um the away dressing room was kind the first time i went there was like um it was like where you would change to put your figure skates on and off for renting the ice right right? and i sat on these these benches where there was no stalls or nothing right i've been in that arena is that not right yeah no our it was very small um our dressing room was nothing to be uh uh 
to brag about that's for sure like i walked in there and you could not get by like we had a stall right in the middle all the way around like you couldn't you had to like walk over stuff walk by like squeeze by people just to get in there like there was no room but it was awesome once you got in there oh it was it was it was it was like i say it was was unique um it was a blast you couldn't have your hockey bag there and your stuff there's no room to have a hockey bag on the floor there is no room um that's that's the home dress room so i no i never saw the away dress room like i couldn't imagine no actually i think now that i'm now that my brain's firing here about that arena is i think i i stayed in a different away locker room with each team I think Hell Brown stayed in the place, Beating Heim stayed in the place. And there was one that was a real room where there's no room, like you're saying. And Beating Heim stayed like literally the the benches that were like where you would take your skates on and off to yeah. rent the figure skates. But anyways. Yeah, that was uh, a cool rank. It was a cool, cool rank. place, eh? Yeah, no, the uh no, so how I got there was so about halfway through the season in in, in Groningen in the Netherlands. Um one of the imports that was on the Landsberg team decided to go home. So they're scrambling. They're just getting into their, their second part of their season. So I think when you played there, did they do like a, a first half of the season? And if you were in the top half, you went on to the second half of the season kind of a thing. No, that would probably be uh, the overleague. That'd be the third league. I didn't play in that league. No, okay. So, so they did like uh, so I showed up in the second half. So like the, the top teams, I never played the bottom half of the league. Right, the top and that'd be a totally different game. Those are the yeah. ten point games. Yep. Yeah. So, so I showed up in the, in the last half, and the re- like I said the reason why I showed up there was that they lost one of their imports late in the middle midway through the season, and uh, so Adam Mitchell was playing for Landsberg, and he's and I'd been talking to him, and I had visited uh, uh, over there over at Christmas break, and so I got to meet their their coach and their slash general manager who was Canadian, and uh, when that spot opened up, they, they called me and said, hey. Uh, do you mind hopping on a train and coming down? Because I had one thing I put into my contract in the Netherlands was if I was able to move up a division, um, I could just leave and they couldn't hold me back. All they had to do is get reimbursed for their plane tickets. So uh, that was, the only, yeah, that's all we needed. And that was one of the greatest experiences of my life, to be honest with you. Um, taking a train from Northern Holland to Southern Germany. So Landsberg's in Southern Germany in, in, in Bavaria, right? So it's yeah. southwest of Munich. Yeah. And uh, that day started at like six in the morning on a train in Gronick, Northern Holland. And I ended up in, in Southern, uh, Southern Germany by nightfall. And uh, that was something else with my hockey bag, my suitcase, my hockey sticks. And uh, just going from train to train, um, people looking at you weird because you had this all the hockey equipment and you had to leave it at the front because no you're going from the Netherlands. Yeah. yeah. So that was, it, it was like I said, it started at six. I got there at like nine night and they picked me up at the, uh, the, the train station and in Landsberg and we went out to an Italian restaurant there and it, it's still Salvatore is called. It's still my favorite restaurant I've ever been to. We wouldn't, we wouldn't eat there every week. The guy was awesome. And so, uh, okay. So I, now I get it. There's now the food. I, now, now I get it. Now I get it. Now I get it. The Netherlands food sucks because when I went overseas, the first restaurant I went to, I'll never forget it. Luigi's in land in land suit. Like this Italian fella was making everything fresh. He was yep. from Italy. The whole family yep. was running the place. It had a, a the, the pizza oven. They were making yep. everything from scratch and I went there. They treated me like family. 
Yeah. And then next thing you know, I ate there, I think at least once a week, the rest of the season. And totally. it was the people you meet and the food you eat. You're just like, holy crap. I could never go anywhere else. No, I, I still remember that meal. Like sitting there, they, all the executives showed up, the owners, um, the management all showed up to greet me. And honestly, the guys I knew showed up as well. Um, and it was just an awesome feast. Like, it was the first time I ever had, uh, what do you call it? When it's all the meat tray. You put like the olive oil and the balsamic vinegar on it. Oh, dear. Don't, um, don't talk dirty on the pod, okay? I know. It was so good. It's the first time I ever had it with the fresh. Why, what, what's the difference oh. with their olive oil and their balsamic? Like, it just, yeah, I don't know. It's just different, right? And then you dip it in the bread and it's just oh, like, Jesus. And so he did the whole, I remember this guy did the whole thing with the lemon juice squeezing. He did, there's a whole show. They just, they just oh. didn't bring it out. It was a show. And uh, yeah, no, I still eat that stuff just because, just because of the air. So there's the food. We came around with the food. Okay. Finally, we're out of the Netherlands. So, mm-hmm. well, Netherlands, you'll have to figure out what you're doing, but uh, I totally get it, man. When I hit Germany and you got, you got the German food, you got the Italian food, you got, well, I don't want to get into the Turkish food because geez, talked about it too much on the pod. <laughs> but don't air kebabs change kebabs. my life and yeah. my career. <laughs> that's a, that's a, yeah, so that's one thing I never had until I got to Lansford was a kebab, and they were pretty. Oh my god! I drove by them for like three, four months, not really knowing what was happening. From but they're like every they're every block. Like, what is that? The meat spinning around on the stick. But then <laughs> when you finally go there and you finally have, like, you finally are like, okay, you know what? I'm from Canada, but I can actually go up and order this. I go yeah. up and I order it and they give it to me and I ate it and it changed my life. <laughs> I, I get it. I understand. I'll leave it there. Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys won it. So you guys are in the first part of it and I'm pretty sure. Okay. I don't know if you won it. That's the part I don't get is no, we won in it. the Oberliga. There is there not four leagues. So you won it from all of them. Yeah, so yeah, we won. We won the whole thing. So uh, it's a weird ending. So who do we play? Or who we played? We were playing. I think you played in Hanover, right? So we played Hanover Indians at one point. And not until we played in the finals, Hanover Indians, and uh, they had an awesome rink. Tell you cool that rink. I never had one good game there. Not one good game there. Oh, I loved it. I still remember the first time I went there. I, I showed you show up in the uh, you're in the I remember you in the hallway. And uh, looking out, it's pitch black in there. What are they doing? It's pitch black. All of a sudden, you think DJ Tiesto showed up there? The, the dance music is going. The, the DJ's yelling and screaming. I look out, there's a totem pole on fire out there, and uh, with full of flames. I'm like, holy moly! So we get out there, and uh, the lasers are flying around. There's a totem pole on fire. We're skating around the ice in the pitch black. It was an awesome, awesome place to play. I loved it. And it was I know. outdoor rinks. It's one of those outdoor rinks too, right? We're open, open walled. Open walled. Yeah, no, it was a cool rink. And I, I could, I know if I was playing a home game there, I would have loved it. But when I was playing an away game there, uh, yeah, I couldn't do it. Couldn't do the it. The thing I didn't like about that arena was that the benches in the, in the change room were too tall. Wait, I don't think, I don't think, I think, day, like, it was a little tight. I bet you I played eight games there. I never scored a goal. And it was yeah. a cool rink, man. And that hurts hurts me because that's one of the rinks. You can't tear that thing down. You no, cannot cool. You cannot put up a cookie-cutter rink 
when you got rinks like that in the world um, because this stuff I watch the NHL in, I know there's no fans and it would be totally different if there was fans, but you see it all covered off and they're all just playing and I'm trying, I'm trying folks. I'm trying to watch the games. I am. I've even only scheduled two podcasts a week still because I like it so much, but like I'm trying to watch the games, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, and you can't even tell. I I, I find myself watching the uh, the American teams in the playoffs because they have the fans, right? It's just more fun, more atmosphere. It's real. It's not fake fake fans that they have on the the, the it's North. Not like practice. It's not like yeah, it's practice. practice. Yeah, I know it's not practice to these guys, and I get that. Yeah. But yeah, when they're yeah, it's well, we just play, it's the cookie play cutter rink, tournament. and there's no yeah. fans, right? Yeah, we play a men's league tournament and we're still trying to win. So I can't imagine yeah. these guys, they're doing the same thing. I don't want to lose in a men's league tournament. No, uh, and they're the same thing, but her. they they're feel like her. it. It's yeah, they the feel way. like it because there's not 30,000 people screaming and it's whatever, same. right? Yeah, it's not, the, not same. the same. Yeah, so we ended up uh, we ended up winning the Oberliga in, in Landsberg. And what a blast that was. Um, final game, game the rubber match game in, in the finals, um, went to a shootout. And... Uh, you won it, it on a shootout? It was a one out in a shootout. We played the overtime. I've never had a great chance in the slot. I had a picture of my taking an awful slap shot, missed a net. I just, at that point, that's all. That's what Did you say you took a slap shot on the breakaway? No, well, it, was, it wasn't quite a breakaway. Was, I picked a pass off in the air in, in the top of the slot, and I, yeah, I couldn't quite get to the net. So I took off. I have an awful slap shot. I shouldn't take a slap shot. Oh, sorry. I thought you said you took a, like, I thought in a shootout to, to no, win. No, 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 no. So this is, this is an overtime. And so the funny thing about those leagues was like, I was scrambling for sticks at this point. This is, you know, this is in April, right? I was yeah. using, I was using my buddy's sticks. I was playing in uh cluster uh, Eric Orlick, who I'd play with in Northeastern. I was using his broken mission sticks and putting a blade in the end where the knob would go. That's how desperate I was for a stick. Cause you just can't go pick, you just can't go to a hockey life over in Germany and grab your stick. Right. So I'm using, I'm using one piece sticks that were broken in the blades and, and putting the uh, a replacement blade in the butt end of the stick and using it in a in a semi professional hockey game like like in the finals like what am I what am I doing because I couldn't find any of the sticks and uh, yeah so I knew that game ended up it is with- real though that's what happens over there yeah. like it's it's I I know I know way more stories of that but like my because it didn't ex- I didn't experience it I don't remember them but I know it was happening to my teammates and yeah. like the way we lived <laughs> playing overseas, like, so like your experience in the Ober league was that mine in the second league is like a little better with sticks, but not much where like yeah. one team would pay for good sticks and one team wouldn't. And you're like, yeah. well, why do you think this team's better than you every year? It's cause they pay for sticks. Yeah. Do you think the carpenters have the good hammers? <laughs> like, yeah. do you, like, what like you need the tools to be good like yeah, exactly. if they're making the good sticks maybe you should be able to shoot at top corner <laughs> yeah no it was funny because we i when i first got there i didn't have any sticks and i drove around with the equipment manager who couldn't speak english um we drove around southern germany trying to f- find a stick for me and i just got a i just got a we brought home like five sticks just anything we could find it was just it was just I didn't go get my, I wasn't like, Oh, like, what lie do you like? What curve do you like? What brand do you like? And I was like, can we find a stick for you? And we just brought home five different sticks. And then by that, all those had broken at one point. And uh, yeah. I different up, curves. 
different curves, different brands, different everything. Yeah. And this is in the finals. Oh, I mean, yeah. Like I said, I'm using a, I'm using a broken one piece stick with a blade in the one end where the, the, the knob would go. And I'd cut off where the blade was broke. Uh, uh, that's how desperate I was for it. So I could so I could at least use a, a curve that I liked. No, and the only reason I think I excelled in Europe when I first got over there was that um, I was going so soon after Western Michigan that they had given me really good sticks all through college because universities make a crazy amount of money um, giving people scholarships and not actually paying for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then these pro teams that actually have to pay people um, – like they don't have the same stuff. So no. then I went to pro and I'm not allowed to use my own sticks because I'm in the HL in the East coast and you can't use Bauer sticks. So then you can't use them the whole year. So you use these shitty sticks and you suck. You're brutal yep. because you don't have good sticks. And then you're like, Oh, I get to go to Germany. And I'm like, well, I'm bringing my sticks with me. And yeah. then the team's like, Oh, we'll give you some money for your sticks later on in the year. I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I don't even, whatever. I just want to use my sticks so that yeah. I can actually be good this year. No, and that's help. what happens. And then you play longer, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, I'll just touch on this. When I was in Shreveport after that German year, they're sponsored by Sherwood or that the CHL is the uh, essentially was sponsored by Sherwood. So I show up to camp and they're like, you got to use Sherwood stuff. I'm like, Oh, okay. So he's like, here's a brand new stick, new curve. You're trying to make the team. Here's a, here's a, here's a stick you've never used before and some gloves. I'm like, I know everybody's in the same boat, but it's like, it, it makes a difference. What, what tools are you using? Like you said, eh? Dude, I, when that's what happened to me, like I left Western Michigan and I used Bauer sticks with the Linden curve the whole time. And I went to the AHL where I'm a step away and they're like talking about signing me and I get there and they're like, you can't use a Bauer stick. You have to use a CCM or a Reebok. And I'm like, yeah. well, what the hell curves do they have? And they're like, well, you're going to have to use whatever sticks are in the rack downstairs. And I had to go through the five right-handed sticks that were on the team. And I'm like, that is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> that, how do you shoot top corner? And yeah. like that one. And it's like, how do you get a step away from the NHL? And then you're using a different stick. But anyways, I still have been confused about that. You know what? I think they're probably still doing the same thing because they're just... Oh, they got to make money, right? They don't have much. Their margins are pretty small. So they got to take any sponsorship money they can get, I think. Oh, well, yeah. So that takes us back to the shootout in the finals of the uh, uh, yeah. So I'm So the coach, uh, Larry, he uh, he calls out who's, who's shooting. And I'm fifth of five. So I'm the last shooter if it comes down to the last shooter. Really? In the finals? Ga- final game of the over. Final game is gonna be it's gonna be determined by uh shootout. And so the ice is just this is after, you know, it's it's April in Germany. And hey, I got a question. Yeah. Are you like Yarmer Yager where you're like, I don't want to even take the penalty shot? Or are you like, oh, that's, that's where are, I'm are, or are you like, I want it. I want the game on my stick and I want to end this. But the thing is, is like, if you're going fifth and you have to score to keep it going, that is totally different than if you score, you win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're, we're shooting last. 
So all four, of, so the first three skaters on each team don't score. The ice is brutal. We play 20 minutes overtime, no floods, no floods after the third period, play 20 minutes overtime, no flood after that into a shootout. So the ice is just horrible. The place is hot. It's packed. And uh, so the first three shooters in each team don't score. Their fourth shooter doesn't score. So we went down to our fourth shooter of five. And I'm like, oh my, I'm, it's going to come down to me. And like I said, I'm using this stick. I have no idea where I'm shooting the puck. My, it's so hot in there. My, I'm, all I'm trying to do is keep my face, my, my face mask from fogging up, my visor, right? Because I'm, I'm still there on the bench. I'm like, my, my, I can't see it with my visor. It's so hot in here because I'm just standing still. It's fogging up. I'm like, oh my God, I'm gonna, I can't I won't be able to see when I get out there. And I still remember standing there. And uh, so Jason Meyer, who played on the German national team, he's Canadian from out west, but he played. So he, he brought him. He was, you know what? He was my age when they brought him over to finish the last half of the year with us as a defenseman. He was an awesome guy. And uh, he went in there and he totally fanned on the shot. The puck was rolling like this over and over and he told because the ice was so bad he got up on edge when he shot it and it just flubbed and it's a change up the goalie went to grab it and and it just went over his shoulder it was a change up and it went in the back of the net and then uh and then a guy Gustafson that played at Providence when I was at Northeastern he went in he was the last shooter for them and our goalie stopped him and that's that's how we won it wow so you yeah. didn't have to shoot though that final I didn't shot. have to shoot he's that's and a great I, feeling. I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I, I usually I'm the guy that wants this. I want, you know, I want the, the ground ball hit to me in baseball. I want the I want the puck on my stick. Yeah. That time I did not want the puck. No, that's one of those feelings, especially like for me. I'd be okay with it if it's like if you score, you win. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't be okay with it. But uh, you know what? Actually, I probably would have a better chance of scoring. If it was like, if you score, you keep going. If you score, you win. I probably would miss. Yeah, I, I it was it was hard. I remember. Oh boy, that would have been an awesome story though. If I had to, if I scored the one though. Dude, you yep. still won. It doesn't matter yeah. who. Oh, that was a great night. Like <laughs> great night or like great three nights. Like how long oh, yeah, until you flew out of there? Like so, did you have a parade in Landsberg? Because I've seen the arena. Enough people to have a parade. Oh, totally. We, our, our, our party went on for a couple of days. Um, Isn't it I, incredible over in Germany when you win yeah, something like it's amazing. how passionate the fans are like they got drums. They're, 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 they're just nuts and they love it so much and they have so much fun. Right. Yeah. We, so we had a huge parade went all through all the streets of Landsberg, which is a small city and uh, all the rental car companies gave us all vehicles. We're, so we're hanging out the windows, you know, like, like sitting on the on the on the on the on the doors, waving and high fiving people. The people are clapping. We're downtown, the town square. We're up in the mayor's in the mayor's office, right downtown. Like an old, if you see it, you know, like an old European city looks like, right? Small town, the square. Oh yeah. All the old buildings. There's a big crowd down below. We're up on like the porch on top of the buildings. Everyone's waving and guys are having making speeches, impromptu speeches, and. um we had one guy who did the, you know, every team now in the NHL has one guy that does the, uh, keeps, keeps the equipment on, you know, as long as he can. Yeah. One, we had that one German guy kept his equipment on the whole time. This is the next evening. Oh, those are the guys that, that you know, it's almost over. Like I saw <laughs> Alfie Michaud win a championship in Denmark and he didn't take his equipment off for hours. He was crying in his equipment. He had a trophy <laughs> with him. 
Um, it was it was quite something to see because he yeah. had, had quite a career. He was almost, I think he was about thirty five, but he knew it was over. He had three kids and like he had won everything. And but yeah, like it was it it's strange when you see the guys like they win something and they won't get out of their equipment. Like I'm like. I don't know. It's, it's it, winning is different to everybody, but like those nights I've had of winning, you don't ever get those back ever. No, and we had we had the same parties when we we'd win even WRA championships in our little you know Ontario leagues here. But uh, I know I know that night I hadn't didn't have my equipment on very long because we were up. We were the cool thing with Landsberg. There was a, a bar right a, attached to the building. And uh, bar restaurant, and the guy was a beauty that uh, ran it. It was right and, at the end, right, right in the warm part, right, right yeah, by yeah. where we'd shoot at the home end. And it was a good sized place, and we and all the fans were packed in there. And I remember going up there. I still had I had all I had everything on but a jock strap. And I remember right up there we went. We we're singing songs. I'm like I said, I'm standing on a table with just my jock on, you know, and we're high fiving and singing songs and and drinking beers it was just it was just a blast like and the the funny thing is is all that stuff that happens over there in those arenas like if people in canada and the u.s that like because this is the global podcast folks is that if you can't picture it like this is actually somewhat professional hockey like you play the you pay the players to actually play but they're playing in arenas that are just like lucknow ripley Port Elgin, like we're playing in normal arenas, but you actually somehow find the sponsorship and the money to make it happen. And like when you win, it's just like winning with any other team, right? It is. And that's, that's the cool thing um, about Europe or with the experience I have in a couple of places in Europe is that they take their little, their small town teams that you see it in soccer, right? They take their small town teams and that's their team. It doesn't have to be the Manchester United's. It can be just their local league team that that they they follow with passion. And I know Landsberg wasn't there very long as a professional team. And they were, they were gone a couple of years later uh, just because of money. And uh, but the time they had, like the, the fans and the in the plays were passionate about uh, the game and just having they said they just had a blast. You know, one thing that would be neat, I think, or it'd be a good experiment in North America or even Canada with the build arena. I know our the Landsberg arena, there's no sitting. It was just standing. It's like a soccer pitch, right? They just had bars where you leaned on. So nobody stood the whole, nobody sat down the whole game. They just wow. chanted and stayed warm and they're up on their feet. The whole, the whole game. You know what? That's never going to work around here because fans around here are not even close to like that. And if you no, that's not going to work because there was a game in Port Elgin, where we played three on three, and the score is about 37 to nothing. And if I didn't have a place to sit, that would have been a real problem. But like in those arenas, <laughs> you're right. There was nowhere to sit. You stood and you chanted, you sang songs. Like it was crazy. And every game was like that. It was the third league, the second league, the first league. It didn't matter where you were, the fans were just as passionate in any league and Mm -hmm. man, when they love you that much and you're winning and you have a parade and you see what it does to that town of Landsberg. And you can't tell me if you go back to Landsberg, they don't all remember that day. Right. 
I, I think I, you know what, I, I, I haven't been back and I thought I would have, um, by now it's been 15 years and, uh, no, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to see if, um, if I can make it back someday to see if they do actually remember that, uh, because it was fun. It was a blast. And I, I can still remember the people and their faces now. I'd, I'd recognize them, I think, if I saw them, a lot of the good fans. Wow, it's like I spent four years in Beatingheim, and then when I left, I just left. Like, my first year there, we won a championship together, and we celebrated, and we we had a special time in our lives together, and then <laughs> it all just ended, right? But anyways, okay, so now you win that sucker. Yeah. And uh, now – it's, I, I guess it's time you're moving back now, right? You're, you're going back to the W-O-O, the W-O-A-A yeah. loop, but you won three times. Yeah. So what happened after that was, uh, um, I hung around Lansford for a couple of weeks just to enjoy the, enjoy the place. And then I came home and, uh, we had, ended up going down to, um, we're trying to figure out what to do the next following year. Um, I wanted to play with my, uh, my old teammate from hometown, Daryl McKinnon, who also played in the same league, in the Oberliga, um, with uh, with Piting, and and I wanted to uh, play with him again because we were good teammates, we we're cousins. Um, he was the best man at my wedding, so we wanted to find a place where we could play together. He's your cousin. And, yeah, he's my cousin. Yeah, third cousin. Yeah, so we we're we we're best friends and all that good stuff, and so we wanted to play again. We had great chemistry as a as a as a as a line, me and him. So. Uh, we tried to figure out a place where we go together. And uh, I remember Berlin, uh, their junior team wanted us to come down there and be their play for them and be their assistant coaches. And uh, in hindsight, I would have taken that up um, in a heartbeat now. And we said no, because uh, uh, Daryl, he wanted to really play in North America, in the States. So he wanted to play like the Central League or something. He wanted to get that more rugged, professional. Um, he was still playing. Yeah, he wanted to, he wanted to play like like not kind of have a fun league. He wanted to be like super serious, you know. And, I I know I know him. You know what I, I mean? Play, I know I know him. I I know yeah. him. If I podcast with him, I know how it'll be, and I yeah. know I know him. We were as competitive as they get. He would be if I like I like I've said to a bunch of people like I could put together a squad, but like. Daryl McKinnon as a third line center, that guy can like shut down teams, but he can also help guys score. He, yeah, he was a very, very good player. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And uh, he's the same as me. Wasn't fast, wasn't big. Just, you know, but I could see him wanting to be more serious than, than that because when he plays, he's more serious than that. And that's not Mm. what he was into at that age. I yeah, no, totally so I was, yeah, so I, I was fine with it. Um, so we ended up getting a, a chance to go down and play in Shreveport in the Central League, the Shreveport Mudbugs. Um, the Mudbugs, that's a good, that's a new name for the pod, Mudbugs. Yeah, so they're, they're in the CHL at the time. So we went down there and we had ever, every intention of playing, sticking it out there. Um, actually, a guy that was four, five, five years older than me. Wade Lightbody had been there for a couple of years. He was from Port Elgin originally played. He was Brian Berard's partner in Detroit in their junior ranks. Um, great player, like I said, from Port Elgin, Ontario. Great guy. Uh, we went down there with him. And unfortunately, it was the year of the lockout, the lock, whatever you call it. Who locked who out? I don't remember. But so what happened was 
So there's no NHL that year, right? So everybody came trickling down. So all the all the players that had, that were supposed to be in the NHL that had AHL contracts played in the AHL. So that bumped out the guys that would have played in the AHL that year. They got bumped out of the East Coast League, you know. Oh yeah, it all so on and so forth. Yeah. So after about a month and a half there, it hit us, and then you know out I go and out Daryl goes, and uh, he went on to to stick it out for a month or so after me. I said I'm done, and I, I went home. And, <laughs> I was, and where you know, was that? That was in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, because I could see I could see like Daryl being a great third liner somewhere I think but like I, I'm trying to yeah like so he was done you were done so you guys head home yeah. um so my questions here okay yeah um because we've been running a bit long here and I try not to make these too long is did you actually win three times because elite prospects told me you only won once but did you actually win the WOO the WOAA loop Three times? Yeah, I went three times. I think it might have been three in a row, if I remember correctly. Did you play against Rodney Bauman? Yep. Yeah, Elora, right? Well, he's from Elmira, but yeah. I think you played in Elora. Yeah. No, yeah. so like, so you you thought we talked about Kikard and Port Elgin rivalry, small town rivalry around here. And that WA league at the time, Elmira, or sorry, Elora and, and Port Elgin slash Soggy Shores Winterhawks, that was a huge rivalry. They had he awesome was players. part of that, right? He had Jeremy yep. Machen and Yep, he was there. That was their line. That was the big line against our big line, which was me and Daryl. And uh, when he came back, and uh, and others, and like Brett McDermott, and no, those those were awesome battles. And the same thing. Those are those games that are I know in Purdue, the, the place was packed. The Laura was packed. Um, we we took those games as serious as uh, any game we ever played before that. Like. We were, we were wearing hard on our sleeve out there. Like there was boys are blocking shots with any part of their body, scrapping if they had to, um, taking hits if they had to. Like there was, it was no holds barred and we wanted to win that bad. Um, and which was cool about, you know, like, like Bauman, like you said, and, and mate, Jeremy Machen, all good, awesome hockey players. Um, it was, it was a, it was an awesome battle. And I'm, I'm so glad we got to experience that around here. Cause you know what? Um, I'll run into those guys again at some point. I know. And I'm sure we'll chat it up. You know, we hate each other on the ice. But they also won sometimes too in Alora, yeah. right? Yeah. No, they, they they won as well. Yeah, for sure. No, they're really good. Really, really good. Yeah, those are my buddies. So yeah, yeah. Um, but I I ended up playing, I guess, for the Ripley Wolves, and we got into some of those same confrontations with other teams a lot later in your life. Um, mm -hmm. But, like, so when you win it, like, what's it like around uh, Port Elgin? What happens when uh, the Soggy Shores win the championship? Like, what goes down? Because I know what happens when the Sugar Kings win. Um, no, I, I still remember the first year we won. Uh, like, Port Elgin didn't even have their ice book. They, they take their ice before we were done the playoffs. We had to move all our games to uh, a town, which is about five, ten minutes away from us. And so they have to into a smaller rink because they just weren't used to us being around because our team was relatively young. Um, and we were getting phone calls. I was getting phone calls just to get tickets um, to get into the rank that night. Um, so you had to, you had to get either be a season holder, get into the rank that night or be one of the first ones to get a ticket because it was sought after. Um, like we'd show up to the rank 
and warm-ups were, were standing room only just to watch us warm up because that's how in demand the tickets were. Well, and that's what happened in Ripley. That's what yeah. happened in Ripley. For, yeah. Like from the day I started there with four people in the stands to when we were, we were in the finals and they, they were, it was, Oh, I can't imagine like if you, when you won it. So yeah, it, it must've been so much fun around. It was there. so much fun. Cause that's what I'd wanted as a remember, like, surfing back to where we had talked about playing minor hockey in Port Elgin. Like I, I just wanted to win for Port Elgin. I uh, just, cause what I would have always heard being a hockey town and, uh, it was just kind of neat to that. It was now I was there winning for a Port Elgin team. And it, was just, it was just a lot of fun. And it was weird. Like we go down the street, there's people with Winterhawk flags on their cars. Like, like where the hell did they get that? And like, it was just, it was just odd. Um, there's signs in every store window, like telling what the game was. It was just, it just felt like um, you're, you step back in time where, you know, the local, the local hockey team was a big deal back. It was like 1940s or something when the local team was the big team, you know, it, it, it was just a, a neat, really neat experience. And um, they're still supporting the teams really well in, in Port Elgin. And um, it was good that you, with yourself being involved in Ripley and, and when I got there, like just to expand their, their fan base a little bit, just, just to see the support they get. Um, but the thing is, is winning, like winning brings in fans. Like yeah. if you don't win, if you don't make it to the finals, Nobody's coming to watch a senior A game. In, nope. Well, unless it's the kids, but like, there's not many people coming to watch no. a senior A game in December, unless you're, you're related. I would say. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> but um, when it comes down to it, you get to the end. It's like Derek Burroughs. And I said, like, you get to the final four teams. That's real shit. That's real mm-hmm. hockey. And those games are real. And, that hockey is as real as it gets, whether you make zero dollars like we did yep. <laughs> or like you make millions. Like I watch the NHL now and I'm like, I saw people do way harder things to win a senior A game. Yep. Like, yeah, maybe they didn't know exactly where to go or where to be in certain situations, but they were all trying a as hard as anybody in the NHL, and that was to win in senior A. Yeah, like you'd you'd, you'd block a shot with any part of your body. Um, yeah, you'd scrap a guy way out of your weight class at the end of the game just to think you're sending a message because that's your role on the team. Um, no, you'd you'd get you'd get ready for a game like you were playing in the NHL. You you know you'd try to have a nap. I know some guys can't do it so much with with families and stuff, but like. You take it that seriously, like you, you you show up to the game ready to play, ready to win, and oh, yeah. do what you had to do. Like you, yeah, it, it's 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 crazy because, and that's how you know. Like you said, you watch the games on TV. Those guys, yeah, they're making a ton of money, but at that point in time, that's not why they're playing, right? As cliche as that sounds, but it's true. They actually, they actually don't care. They they just want that feeling. They're playing for a feeling, right? And our feeling was winning the WA league because <laughs> that's all we had. And it, it was worth something to us anyway. No, I, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. It would have been awesome if I could have, or if we could have won in Ripley and like, I could have taken the trophy to, to Ripley school. 
<laughs> like that would have been one of the highlights of my life. And that's what I was totally would have. Right. And that's what yeah. I was shooting for. And I tried my darndest, um, didn't get there, but, um, everybody breaks down at some point. Um, but you guys won it three times. So you guys had a bunch of parties and then you got used to winning, which is what happens. And then guys get older and then there's not the new group. And you know what? Um, you end up switching to the Ripley wolves with me. And, um, I do know you had some concussion issues throughout your time. Um, probably from getting hit a lot, the way you played and, um, fighting and everything you did you played the game hard no i did that's one thing i'm I'm kind of proud of i guess maybe not some proud of now but i feel the ailments of it but no i I think um when we we were playing rent the uh, concussion just the concussion issues kind of became a mainstream just thereafter um i know they didn't talk about when i was in at northeastern university um so I had it. I know I went a ton there, a ton in junior B, but we didn't know what the hell that was at the time. We did not. I, I was I was in the AHL getting them, and it was like, can you play? Right. Yeah. No, I'd go. I remember. I could still remember a shift I had at Northeastern, where I was actually having a good game, and I got double shifted, which was rare for me there. And I went out, and I got, I got hit hard the shift before, but I had a good shift, so I went off. And I just remember being in, in a, in, I got into a deja vu. I went, I remember going back on the, I, I can still picture the, the shift right now in my head. And I remember I could see everything hap- unfolding in front of me. I could see two steps ahead, but I couldn't do anything about it. I was just in this trance. Oh, and, I know. Oh, my and, and I was just following the player and I go, I know that's going to happen. That's going to happen. But I couldn't do anything to. No, you're freaking me it, out, right? man. You're freaking yeah, me so out. It was the, I, I could still feel it. I could still see it. And that's just one experience of it. And, um, no, another time there's actually a picture of it at the Boston globe picture me on the front cover of the sports page. Uh, I took a run at a big guy on, I can't remember what team it was. And it, and I was at, I hit the guy and I was so out of class and weight that I ended up, I was still on my skates, but my head was out my foot. So I was bent right over my other foot was above my head. That guy just standing just fine. So I took a run at him. I saw, and yeah, so I went another one. Just from ran to a brick wall. Uh, like the got bro- posted on the front of the Boston Globe for it. I I mean, it's crazy. Like I I remember one of my first AHL games. Like literally, they're like, this guy's got 50 goals this year, and I'm out on the ice with him. And he's got the puck and he's like 32 years old, and he's like 230 pounds. And I go try to hit him like he's a normal college kid and when he hit me or when we hit each other i was just i was gone i was that was it and like i really shouldn't have played anymore but then you go into the training room and you see joe motzko sitting there like is your shoulder okay can you play and you're like holy shit this is my chance like I actually might get a shift now. Like he's a right winger. And then you're like, shit, I better get back out there. And you can't see straight. You don't know what's going on. And you're like, I am not going to, like, I've worked so hard to get here. How do you not just keep going? Right. 
Yeah. And that's what every one of us is like. Yeah. And because you don't know if you're going to be back in that situation again, you don't know that like you can be gone the next day. So you got to, you got to give her that day. And, and maybe it's the wrong advice, but I would, <laughs> no, I, like in, I would do it again every time. Now it's like, well, now it's like, well, like it's all real, right? It's all real. When we were playing, it wasn't real. But if you don't play for a year, yeah, yeah you, you don't play. Especially if you're on, if, if, yeah. especially if you're on the fringe, right? If you're not, yeah, you no, know, Cindy yeah. Crosby, obviously, if you're a fringe right. player. You got to give her. Well, you know what, folks? Um, I think we're. Uh, where are we here? What else do we got left, sir? Um, I think uh, concussions are not something we need to get into on a fun podcast. No, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll start this one here. I, I bought the, I thought of you today. I went and fished. I saw this a while back. Went fishing get? for this. Uh, you've probably seen this before. Holy moly. Adam yep. Kennel and Adam Hogg and Brent Walton on the newspaper. Look at that, yep. folks. That is uh, the line, they call it. And did you get ranked number one or number two? So the article was called, uh, which trio has been the most feared in the Midwestern Junior B loop? And then they went on to play. Uh, they went on to talk about all-time great lines. You guys are in there. And uh, my line in, in, in Portal or in Owen Sound, sorry, with uh, Daryl McKinnon and Adam Mitchell were, uh, were honorable mentions, so honorable mention yeah i don't know what i had to do with remember, adam is- mitchell and daryl mckinnon you were yeah, honorable you this- mention. what am yeah, i number it- one am i not did we get number one with kennel and hog um according to uh somebody gave you their best Jeff Hicks. Uh, uh, gary schaefer gave you the the nod they had a couple guys say who he was the guy that said there that was the best line Gary Schaefer. I got to stick with Hog, Kennel, and Walton, Schaefer says. <laughs> so there's a little bias, right? This is the Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. Well, yeah, no, that's a little bit so. more local to Elmira than, uh, than the Port Elgin newspaper. Look at your hair, though. It's the same. Well, it doesn't change. It's been thin since I was young. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. no, it hasn't changed much. But, uh, um, well, I can't thank you much. I can't thank you enough for coming on, man. Like, our kids are friends. Our wife, we're friends. Like, I moved to a new town. You're one of the guys that helps me feel welcome. And it's it's hockey, right? Like, hockey, when I moved to Kincardine and hockey was over, like, realistically, it's what got me going again. And it got me meeting people. It got me talking to people and now i know as many people as i do and it's all hockey and when i first moved to this town i was so lost and it was it was all you guys that that when i showed up at the ripley wolves made me feel like concurden was home and like i knew people and like i had friends and it was just like I was on every other team in Europe where you have 20 guys and wives and kids. And all of a sudden I felt like that again. And like, it was a little different where everybody has different jobs and everybody's going to do different things. But like at the end of the day, you're still showing up at the rink and you're like, we're in this together. And then when you get to those final games and you're like, 
we'll do anything, right? Like we'll do anything to win this. And when you get into that mindset with guys that are your friends, that's when you guys really bond, right? Yeah, there's nothing like um, get a high five or a pat on the back from a guy after you blocked a shot or vice versa, right? Giving a guy an awesome man, great blocks, you know, just little things like that. And the thing about hockey is I've, I've hated hockey at times. I've, and then I've loved hockey at times. And I know a lot of hockey players say this, but like hockey's, even though I never played, you know, NHL or AHL or anything like that, but hockey's given me tons of opportunities to meet people. It helped me get acquainted to a new town. Uh, I had instant friends because I was in, able to get into the hockey community. Just like you were saying with you, you have an instant community whether whether you you move to like you did Carter and me whether you move to a place in Europe you have a, a you have a community that has your back right off the bat and that's what's kind of cool about the sport no it is it is and yeah like and it, the yeah it's it's awesome and uh i i can't thank you enough and uh we're going to have lots of times to chat over long haul here so um Congratulations. Um, like for like, I really think you became a winner. I know this sounds ridiculous, but like Daryl McKinnon and Adam Mitchell and Silverthorne and you were always winners. Like you guys were like playing against you guys. You guys were winners. Those are the guys I remember. Um, you guys were winners. Like the guys in Elmira, like Fisher, Eggets and those not by nine and that and like hey fish is a South Anthony boy he's a solid right boy. and but like they're winners right they're winners yeah. like and when it comes down to it they're good people that like they care about their team and they care about everything and and it, yeah like it there's a lot of winners around um like it's just yeah I just those guys playing against them was, it was really hard and it was very competitive for a lot of years. And I've never really met them. We've never really got to know each other, but my goodness, was it exhausting. That's a compliment on behalf of us all. Yeah, no, it was. <laughs> but uh, um, anyways, like, thank you for coming on. And I look forward to many more um, nights of getting to know you it, and this has been another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm. And that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tanaco fans. I'm like Pete Southtown Van Van. I'm always speaking my mind when I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend in my own mind. I'm good for some, but I'm not.